begin today, I'd like to introduce you to uh, five people who have uh, changed my life. We'll start over here with uh, Matt. And uh, you can tell that Matt, he's not too comfortable in uh, front of people because, uh, well, he's, he's a stereotypical accountant. Uh, he's uh, great with the numbers. He's a uh, kind of a bean counter, good with beans, not so good with people. Then there's Pete, and you can tell Pete loves to be on stage. He's, a, he's an extroverted, uh, easygoing, fun-loving guy, and, uh, and he's one of those people who is just bold and brash and brave, has a big smile and a hug for everybody. Then over here we got uh, Luke, and he's the opposite of extroverted Pete. He's uh, more of an introverted guy, he's uh, a doctor, and uh, he's, he really specializes in, in research, and uh, he would much rather be behind the scenes than on stage. Then here we have John, and John is just your average guy. Uh, John is uh, no intellectual, he has no higher education at all, uh, he just loves working with his hands and being an ordinary guy. Then finally we have over here Paul, and he's the opposite of John, uh, who's ordinary. Paul is extraordinary, nothing short of a genius. He's a world-class mind and scholar. Paul isn't perfect like any of these other five guys, but God has used them to change my life. And maybe you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the five guys that God used to write 98% of the New Testament. Matthew, the tax collector, who ended up writing a gospel, bearing his name. Peter, who is the disciple and the historical source of the gospel of Mark and letters to the church. Luke, who is a doctor who compiled a gospel, but also an exciting historical record of the early church called Acts. And then there's John, an ordinary fisherman, who wrote a gospel and also several letters and the book of Revelation. And then finally, Paul, who is the uh, famous rabbinical scholar who met Jesus and wrote the letters that fill out the rest of the New Testament. Matt and Pete and Luke and John and Paul. You know, at first you didn't know exactly who I was talking about because we all know people with those names. Why? Because after 2,000 years, we're still naming our kids after these five guys, which is just testimony to how these five have changed the world and how they made their lives count. And that's what I want. I only get one short life, and I want to make it count. And when I consider these five guys up here on the platform, I learned something very important about making it count. God takes people of every personality, background, and life experience and makes them count as they follow Jesus. And this is so important to understand because there is a myth out there that God only uses certain people with certain personality traits. And it just isn't true. God uses 
Matthew the shy accountant and Peter the extroverted man of action and Luke, Dr. Luke, the introverted uh, research scientist and John the average guy with no higher education and Paul the scholar and world-class intellectual. And just like these unique characters made a huge impact when they followed Jesus, God wants to use you who for who you are in all your uniqueness. And so today, uh, we want to answer some burning questions that I hope you have been asking through this series on making it count. Questions like, what does God want me to do to make an impact? I mean, how does God want me to make a difference? Specifically, how does God want me to make my life count? Well, God wants to make a difference through you in ways that only you can. God wants you to make your mark, where mark is spelled M-A-R-C, and where M stands for your personal makeup. You want to know when, where, what, how God wants to use you to make an impact. And the answer begins with how God made you. You are a unique creation of God with unique strengths, unique abilities, unique style and approach. God created you with a unique set of personal traits for a unique purpose in God's plan for blessing the world. And this is not my idea. This comes right from God in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. So if I belong to God through faith in Jesus, then I am created and recreated in Jesus in a way that uniquely prepares me for the purposes that God has already prepared me to do. Do you understand what this means. This means that if I am a Christ follower, I have no excuse for a life without impact. If I am God's handiwork, and I am, and if God has already prepared me to do good works, and he has, then there is no legitimate excuse for me to live a no impact life. I can't say, oh, I'm just too shy, or I'm not a leader, or I'm too this, or I'm not enough that. These are meaningless excuses because God has made me the way I am, and God has made me to make a difference that is consistent with the way he has made me. You know, there's a woman in our church. And uh, she would never claim to be a dynamic personality. She would never claim to be a spiritual leader of thousands. She would never claim to be special. But she is. She is impacting thousands. And do you want to know how? <laughs> she just saw in our church bulletin a little blurb about how we were needing people to volunteer to clean this church. And so every Sunday, she wipes down every seat in this room. And while she does that, she prays for each seat and the person who will sit in that seat. She's making her mark by 
cleaning up yours. <laughs> you know, uh, she's, she's making your mark by praying for you. Praying that you would hear God speaking to you right now. She's impacting thousands just by being who she is, who God has made her to be. What is your excuse? How about you stop the excuses and uh, how about you stop thinking about what you ain't and uh, start letting God use you for who you are? What do you like? What are you passionate about? Open your eyes and look at yourself honestly. How can you serve God and serve others in a way that is consistent with your makeup? You are God's handiwork and God has prepared you to do good works. So now, more excuses. Make your mark, where M stands for your personal makeup, and A stands for your adversities. A moment ago, I introduced you uh, to Paul over here, and Paul was not only the world's greatest theologian, he was the world's most passionate missionary. And Paul writes about where this passion comes from. Uh, Paul was passionate about setting people free uh, through Jesus because he knew the pain of being a prisoner of legalism and guilt and shame. And so Paul writes how his past pain became his future fuel that empowered him and made him passionate about making his mark by setting other people free, by sharing how Jesus set him free. Just like Paul. Your past adversity is not a barrier to overcome. It is actually a doorway leading to the place where you can make your mark. I know a woman who is loving our kids in uh, the uh, kids area right now. And she does it because she can't have kids herself. I know a man who acts as a uh, substitute dad in our boys club here at Black Rock because he knows the pain of growing up without a dad and how lonely that can be for a boy. I know a guy who devotes himself to helping people network to find a job because he knows the pain of being downsized. What adversity have you experienced? Your experience of grief Pain or disappointment is part of what God can use to prepare you for good works. But you may be saying, hey, hey you don't get it. You see, uh, my uh, past pain was not done to me. I did it to myself. It was my sin. And God's not going to use my failure, right? Wrong. Just ask Peter. Uh, Peter is best known for his biggest failure of denying Jesus. But was Jesus surprised by Peter's failure? No. In fact, Jesus told Peter that he was going to fall away and that his failure would be the doorway to his impact. In fact, Jesus said all this in one verse in Luke chapter 22, verse 32. Jesus said, I have prayed for you, Peter, that after you have turned back, you will strengthen your brothers. And that's what Peter did. Peter has strengthened countless millions of us through his willingness to just share how Jesus restored him from failure. And the same is true for you and for me. 
You know, I know a man who mentors guys at the Bridgeport Rescue Mission and he drives them where they need to go and he supports them. Why? Because he knows what it's like to be trapped in addiction. You know, Bob and Karen Donovan, uh, they're leaders of our marriage ministry here at BlackRock, and they are passionate about helping couples in crisis in their marriage. And is that because they had a perfect marriage all their lives? No, it's because for the first five years or more, their marriage was a nightmare. But their past pain has become their future fuel for making their mark. If you want a clue, about where to make your mark in life. Don't start by examining your comforts and your successes. Look to your hardships and your failures and the places you've stumbled and experienced pain because very often God takes your adversity and makes it a doorway that propels you to a life that really counts. Make your mark. Where M stands for your makeup, A stands for your adversity, and R stands for your resources. You want to know what and when and how you can make your mark. Well, look at what God has given you. Uh, you know, when God called Moses to uh, deliver his people out of slavery, uh, Moses uh, said, well, how, God? When? Where? And, and God said this to Moses. It's recorded in uh, Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. Then the Lord said to Moses, what is that in your hand. Moses was a shepherd at the time, and in his hand was a shepherd's staff. And that staff was the resource that God had placed in his hand. And God used that staff to become a snake before Pharaoh. That staff turned the Nile red blood, uh, blood red, and uh, used that staff to part the Red Sea. So when I ask God, you know, where he wants me to make my mark, God says, well, what's that in your hand? God wants me to use the resources he's already given me. Now, for some of us, that resource is the resource of time. If you're retired or you're between jobs, you have time to serve. The happiest retired people I know are those who are volunteering with their time and making a difference. Don't be content just puttering around or watching TV when God's given you the resource of time on your hands to make your mark. For some of us, the resource God's given us is money. Uh, maybe you don't have much time, but you have enough of an income so that it should allow you to give generously to God's work in the church. Your income will allow you to give generously if you decide to make it count. Don't spend on yourself like there's no tomorrow because there is a tomorrow when you will stand before Jesus and you want to give now so that you will hear Jesus say then, well done, you understood that the money that I put in your hand was not just for you. It was for you to share in, in supporting my work in the church and make your mark. What's in your hand? For some of us, the resource is education or experience or specific professional skills. Let me tell you about our newest ministry team here at uh, BlackRock. We're calling it the Caseworker Team. And it is a group of social workers and psychologists and uh, medical and legal professionals who all worship here and have volunteered to tithe their time, to use their 
professional skills to help people who are trapped in cycles of complex need and dysfunction. And already this team has been used to set some people free in a way that makes Jesus just smile. And uh, they're making their mark by using their resources. What's in your hand? You know, for every believer here, you have an internal resource called spiritual gifts. Uh, in the Bible, God explains that when he fills a new believer with his Holy Spirit, he empowers that believer with special abilities that are designed to build up other believers in the church. They're called spiritual gifts, and uh, they're like encouraging, helping, teaching, and leading. Every Christ follower is empowered by God by at least one of these gifts and has the responsibility to use them to build up other believers in the church. You know, the first time I understood this was in high school. Uh, there were some college kids who uh, came to our uh, high school group here at Black Rock and uh, they came with the sole purpose of using their spiritual gift of encouragement to just kind of come alongside dorky high school kids like me and, uh, and be a, 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 a kind of a mentor. And it changed my life. It so transformed me that I knew, nobody had to tell me, that I had to do the same thing for someone else. And so along with another high school friend, I gathered some junior high boys together for a weekly Bible study. And I found out that a that encouragement is not enough to win over uh, junior high boys. Uh, you also needed another spiritual gift called candy. And uh, anyway, once we introduced candy into the, uh, the Bible study, uh, it was awesome. And I never have looked back because there's nothing more exciting than using the spiritual gifts that God has given you to be a part of just building other people up in the church. In scripture, God makes it clear that every Christ follower has these resources and every Christ follower's Every Christ must serve in the church. No excuses. The first step to serving here at Black Rock is our volunteer orientation class. It's taking place today. It's on the first Sunday of uh, every month at 1230 in our conference room. Walk-ins are welcome. You can read about it in your bulletin. The final clue guiding you to make your mark is C, which is your calling. God wants to show you where and how and when to make your mark. He'll tell you if you stop, ask him, and listen to what he says. I'm not saying that God's going to speak to you with an audible voice. Most often, God does this uh, kind of communicating, this calling, by opening your ears to a cry of need that is right around you. Jesus models this in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. When Jesus saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus opened his ears to the crying needs around him and following Jesus means that I do the same thing. I follow the call of compassion. You know, there's a man in this church who owns a uh, small business and uh, he decided to just ask God to show him where he could make his mark. And he found that, that the cry of need around him 
was his calling. Uh, he started the practice of inviting his employees into his office, and after discussing their job satisfaction, uh, he gave them the opportunity to talk about their personal concerns. And once he started listening, he started hearing God's call through the cry of need in his employees. He heard how uh, a marriage of, in, of one of his employees was falling apart. And so he paid for the marriage counseling for uh, this employee and spouse, uh, counseling that they couldn't afford. And now he's done this for dozens of marriages of employees, and he's seen dozens of marriages saved. He heard an employee's dream of uh, getting uh, his kid into college, and, and so he started a, a scholarship and a little saving plan for his employees to make it happen. It has made it happen for scores of kids, of his employees. He's heard the heartaches and, and sorrows of, that have brought him to tears, and as he asks his employees if he can pray for him, he's, he sees these, these miracles happening in his employees. And as he's heard about his employees tell about their search for God, he's had the opportunity to invite them here to Black Rock. Yes, this way of doing business has created an unbelievably loyal workforce. Yes, this way of doing business has caused productivity to soar. Yes, uh, this has created a little bit of positive media intention. But he doesn't do it for those reasons at all. He is loving his employees because he understands that it is his calling. He's doing it because he understands that God has created him for this, that life is short and he wants to make it count. And he has decided to make his mark. So how about you? No more excuses. It's time for you to do what God has created you in Christ to do. It's time to get serious about making your mark.